Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. For Don V. Meyer, who was our liturgist this morning, uh, for our praise team and Wesley Choir, who helped lead our music, and for Gary Brubaker, who puts things so wonderfully together for us. Um, this morning is World Communion Sunday, and um, it's one of the special Sundays of the United Methodist Church, as we're reminded that Holy Communion joins us in Christian unity. The sacrament of communion invites us to focus on holiness of communion with God and one another. On World Communion Sunday, United Methodists, in conjunction with other denominations across the world and believers worldwide, participate in communion to recognize our unity in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> well, so on this World Communion Sunday and with our scripture passage this morning, um, if you were to think about some of the people who helped you with your faith, who are some of those people on the list? Feel free to share those in the comment section. Um, but are there Sunday school teachers? Like, I remember Mrs. Berkeley being one of my Sunday school teachers. Um, or Pam Rossmiller, um, or um, folks who helped to teach me the Bible. Or maybe it's pastors, like I remember one of my pastors, Travis Bonnet Kim, who helped me to find my call into ministry. Maybe there are other pastors that you can think of. Or maybe you can, um, maybe you can think of family members, like, my great-grandma or my great-grandfather or folks who helped in your family to help you discover your faith. But what about strangers? Have there been any strangers that have helped you discover your faith? Maybe someone who helped you randomly or just who has helped you in our faith? Who has helped to write your story of faith? And if you were to write them a letter, what would you say? What would you tell them about who they've been to you? Would you write um, a thank you? And what would your words of thanks be? Would you tell them what meant the most to you? I mean, would you encourage them in their own faith? Would you tell them how it shaped your theology or your understanding of God? What would you write in this letter? I mean, that's a little bit about what Paul has, uh, what, what has happened in this letter. Now, this, this epistle, this letter, is usually attributed to Paul, um, but most scholars uh, believe that it was a student of Paul and not Paul himself. Um, there's a lot of things within the letter of First and Second Timothy, the letters of First and Second Timothy, that it seems to be written to a community with more hierarchy and structure than existed after Paul's ministry. Um, however, this whoever wrote this letter was probably a student of Paul and was influenced by Paul and his ministry. And the beginning of this letter um, is encouraging the community, both individuals in the community and the community as a whole, giving thanks for who they are and what they've taught. It's beautiful to share that. And on this World Communion Sunday, um, thinking about the world. <laughs> um, there are so many churches around the world, y'all. Um, 
I don't remember what the specific number is anymore, but there are thousands of different kinds of denominations. And I don't even know how many number of churches and other faith traditions as well. So there's lots of spirituality and religion happening around the world. But thinking just um, specifically about Christianity, um, I don't know, there's something like thousands of different denominations. And the truth is we're all different right? I mean, that's the reason why we have our own separate um, uh, denominations. And there are some that have more significant differences from each other than others. So some seem like, oh, well, they fit pretty well together, even if there's differences. And there's some that it's like, whoa, how are we even in the same sphere of things? Um, I always say that I am so grateful for the large umbrella of Christianity uh, because it puts together people that that disagree and yet also are faithful. Um, so, you know, this shouldn't be very surprising to us, right? Um, even in our own congregation, we, um, we would have things that we agree and disagree about, and some of those things are not the same. So there are differences that we have in how we understand our faith, our God, um, all sorts of different ways that we, that we disagree about. Um, and yet, that we're still connected through the grace of God and through our belief in Jesus Christ. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, said, though we may not think alike, can we love alike? And I think that's a good question to ask and to ponder in light of all of our differences. Can't we love alike? And so then I thought about this letter and, you know, writing a letter to someone that you know or um, who has encouraged you in your faith is one thing. But what about another community of faith? Would, what would you thank another community of faith for? And maybe it's another um, United Methodist Church or maybe it's another church of another denomination to thank them for helping encourage you in your faith. As Paul says in his, as, as it said in this letter, I am reminded by your sincere faith. So what would we, what would I write? What would you write in this letter? So let's talk about communion. <clears throat> because although it's not mentioned specifically in this letter, I think that it's, um, the underpinnings are there. So communion in the early days of the Christian church, uh, the communion wheel, meals were meals. Um, they were more like potlucks of the faith community gathering together to break bread together. Um, so people would bring something to share. Um, and as they shared their food, they shared their lives and their stories together. Now, this is not to say that those early gatherings were not without conflict or disagreement because any gathering of human beings will have their own set of complications. So um, it was encouraged to reconcile disagreements prior to gathering together for these meals. Now, of course, since those early days, things have only gotten more complicated in all the ways. Um, with more denominations and more theological positions rising, there are many different ways that communion is understood. So there's the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, which is where the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Christ. And the United Methodist position of a holy mystery in which something happens to the bread and juice, but not quite transubstantiation. And all of those in between and otherwise. 
Now, I have personally been in churches that have argued over the method in which we take communion, intinction, passing cups, taking or receiving bread, and even the, the size of the elements themselves. Now, I'm sure you have had some of those conversations as well. There are some who view communion as something somber and reflective, and others who view it as joyful and celebratory. So all that to say, we have no shortage of ways to disagree about communion. In her book, Searching for Sunday, Rachel Held Evans talks extensively about communion. And one of the things that she says is communion doesn't answer every question, nor does it keep my stomach rumbling from time to time. But I have found that it is enough. It is always and ever enough. And so this morning, we remember World Communion Sunday, reminding of communion across the world, our connectedness to one another through the grace of God that we taste at the table. Communion goes by many names. Some call it the Eucharist, um, which it comes from the Greek word Eucharisto, which means good gift or good grace, this gift that is given to us, this good gift. Some call it the Lord's Supper. Um, Paul referred to it this way several times. Or communion um, or koinonia, which is a kind of fellowship in, in Christ. So there's, there's even a lot of ways that we just talk about communion. Now, what was Jesus doing in this Last Supper or the Lord's Supper? It was the last meal that he would eat with his disciples before his death. And it was the first meal he ate with his disciples on the, walk to, on the road to Emmaus. So there's something happening in this bread and juice, this custom, this, this ceremony that Jesus is doing. One of the things um, that, will be fami- that was familiar about this, um, this supper that he did is uh, there was a marriage custom. And the marriage custom was when the, the groom and the bride's family settled on the dowry and, and the two were betrothed to one another. The groom and bride would drink from a cup of wine and would say, this is my sign of my covenant to you. Does that sound familiar or what? Jesus at the table said, this is the sign of my covenant with you. <clears throat> Jesus is presenting the cup as this, this new covenant between, between him and the world. Now, the church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. And I think Jesus is doing something pretty radical by saying that he's marrying those who celebrate. Now, not an actual marriage, um, and also a relationship that takes work together and grows together. I think Jesus is doing something pretty radical here. So how do we receive communion? Does communion have to be serious? Now, for some people, it really does. I don't think it has to be solemn, but some people feel that way. I think that, um, I think that it's a, a, an act in praising God in thanksgiving. Communion is an act of thanksgiving to God for what God has done through Jesus Christ. How do you show your thanks? Maybe it is in solemn and serious ways, and maybe it's not. As, Paul, as the letter says, I give my thanks to you. Communion is also fellowship. It's a remembering of what Jesus Christ has done, um, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. 
but it's also a remembering, like a remembering, putting together back the body, um, being in community together. I mean, there's, there's part of the word in there, right? It's the fellowship of people gathering together, um, people who have practiced forgiveness and reconciliation, people who have practiced life together and coming together to eat at the same table. Communion is fellowship. Communion is also remembrance. It's remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Communion is an action of the Holy Spirit, and it's a glimpse at the heavenly banquet. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here and now and also in the future. And I think at the communion table, we catch glimpses of what that looks like. Communion helps us to remember. I remember once um, that uh, in a church, there was a visitor who came up and asked me some questions about the service. Um, and it was communion Sunday. I said, so I said, oh, it's communion Sunday. Here's how that works. Um, and they said, oh, I, I can't receive communion. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course you can. Open table. You are welcome. And they said, no, no. I'm an alcoholic. I cannot receive communion because I can't drink the wine. And I said, oh, well, in the United Methodist Church, we typically use grape juice. Um, and so you're welcome to come, but there's no pressure. You don't have to come. <clears throat> so they came forward to receive communion during the service and afterwards said to me, what was that? And I said, what do you mean, what was that? And they said, I have never experienced anything like that in my entire life. I felt so loved and so supported and so peaceful in that moment. And I said, ah, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, another time during communion, there was a widow who came up to me after receiving communion and said that she felt like her husband was there with her and they were receiving communion together. Both of these experiences are valid and maybe how you have experienced communion or how others have. The way the Holy Spirit works is individual in our own lives, but also helping to join us together as a community with all of these differing experiences of this great, big, wonderful God. Because all indeed are truly welcome at God's table. The communion table is God's table whether you are receiving communion for the first time or for the millionth time, God's grace will work the way that, I need, that you need it to. Are you willing to be open to it? Again, Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday says, we don't receive communion because we have it all together or even have it all figured out. We receive communion because of grace. I need the Eucharist because I need to begin each week with open hands. I need the Eucharist because I need to practice letting go and letting in. I need the Eucharist because I need to keep quitting score. Quit keeping score. Why do you need the Eucharist? What has God's grace done for you? What is it doing for you? What is it challenging you to, calling you to? Why do you need to receive this grace? Because communion is a means of grace. 
It's a connection with God, not just something to be checked off of the list. It is a tradition, but it's not just a tradition. It is a ritual, but it's not just a ritual. It's this sacred meal. Augustine used to say about communion, receive your essence. What is it about the bread and juice that tells us who we are, who we truly are as loved and claimed and called by God? This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the ages began. And so we taste and we see. Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday says, but our God is in the business of transforming ordinary things into holy things, scraps of food into feasts and empty purification vessels into fountains filled with wine. This God knows his way around the world, so there's no need to fear, no need to withhold, no need to stake a claim. There is always enough. Just taste and see. There is always and ever enough. So this morning, as we receive communion, may we taste and see the goodness of our God. May we experience the grace of God for ourselves. Why do you need grace? I need grace to be reminded of my humanity, to be reminded that I'm not in charge all the time, to be reminded of a God who creates, loves, is with, and blesses, the God who calls me into ministry with the world, the God who calls me to be a part of this community and a community of faith. I need communion because I need to taste and see. May you, may we taste and see this morning and experience the grace of God in new and profound ways. Thanks be to God. Amen.